0: everybody welcome to a new episode of two drunk fans this week we have super special guest ella master of the houston dash um but first of all gab what are you drinking oh um i am drinking
1: water because i'm still at the office and it is only six o'clock in portland um so despite my reputation i have not been drinking all day (laughs) that's
0: Also, my story. I have also not been drinking because I've been working all day. Even though it's nine in Boston, it's nine
1: o'clock in Boston. You should have
0: already (laughs) had a drink. It's nine o'clock. It's it's time for bed, dude. That's my life now. Yeah, yeah. So Ella, the name of the show is Two Drunk Fans. You may not be having a drink, even though it's Friday night. But we're at the bar. Gab and I are buying. You can pick anything you want. What would it be?
2: Ooh, am I in season or out of season? Out of season. Out of season um I love a rum and coke a good rum and coke is uh I've been trying to do like whiskey on the rocks um but that hasn't been I was trying to impress my grandma but that (laughs) has taken a step back so I have to think stick to the rum and coke for now it's a tough grandma yeah she's gin and tonic or a good whiskey and she is set at all family functions
0: (laughs) (laughs) um okay well then we'll just dive right in we got in touch with you and thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show um, because we all read your blog post and it was really impressive and for me personally, at least, it was really touching because you know, growing up I didn't have any role models. and athlet- I was a soccer player and I was gay, but I didn't have anybody to look up to. But um, I think now stuff like that, people who are able to read it online, it, it makes a world of difference to them. So, so how do you feel about your blog post and what's the reception to it been like?
2: Um, overall, I'd have to say it's pretty positive. Um, I mean, there has been some backlash a bit, but I mean, you know, anytime you're making that type of a statement in anything, um, whether it's magic Jack doing that or this, you know, there's always going to be somebody with a different opinion, um, which is fine. Um, it's good. It feels like a weight's lifted. I mean, especially for me in the Houston organization, you know, I, I think, I don't know how much they knew last year. Uh, but it was very private. Aaron and I were still trying to keep that just us. I mean, obviously the girls on the team knew. Um, but now it's nice. I mean, as soon as I wrote the blog, the biggest thing was I emailed Randy the night before and I was like, listen, coach, this is coming out out of respect for you and the team. Like, I'm sure you knew, but, um, I wanted you to know first cause I didn't know how he would react. Right. He's, he's from the South. He's a strong Baptist man. Uh, great guy. um, and the next morning, you know, at practice, he brought me in. He goes, you know, I think it's most importantly that you're a good human being, you know, and that's what is important to me, and I want you to know that we're fine. And for me, that's just – he didn't have to say that. He didn't have to do any of that. And for me, that meant the world to me. That sounds awesome.
0: I mean, it seems like the Dash in general, last year they had the mayor of Houston in, and I know she's <laughs> she's openly gay. And this year you guys have Brittany Griner doing
2: a coin toss?
0: yes. So it seems like the organization is at least you know publicly pretty receptive.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um again, you know, I I don't know how much again, for me it wasn't so much of a coming out as a lot of people have come to say and I appreciate that so much from so many, but for me it's like to have a good relationship in general in this environment or you know in professional athletics alone is a hard hard thing to do from distance to Uh, any type of I mean we're no male athletes but if you think we don't have temptations to be honest with you you know though people come out of the woodwork so for me it was you know they've been great supportive and if somebody has a boyfriend I mean just hope for it's the same exact reception and so far they have been right on par with that and that that means a lot to I think everyone
0: Wait, so are you saying that you and Erin have to beat women off with a stick?
2: Is that what's... No, that (laughs) could come off that way. I'm just saying that Erin is a, you know, eye of the beholder. Uh, To me, she's pretty special. So um, you just never know. You know, again, you're in an environment where you can be around a lot of things and sometimes stuff happens, you know, that's not uncommon in the professional athlete world, and everybody understands that, and whether you're a men's player pro or you're a women's player pro, it happens. Your figure, you work on your body, that is your craft, especially in the women's game, so I take it as a compliment. We laugh about it, and I am lucky to have that in her, because sometimes you don't have that.
0: Yeah, well, on that note, then, it sounds like you found, you know, a lot of rewards in having a partner who's that close is on your team, but um, what are some of the challenges of dating a team, especially someone who's on the national team for Canada and is going to be doing a lot of traveling in the near future?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just about touching base every day. Um, you know, the good thing is that we understand what each other does so I can be there and listen to her. If she's talking about a. An issue that happened with defense not stepping or her diagonal balls, and if she needs help in the office, you know, I can shag balls for her or I'm happy to score goals. She will deny that I scored <laughs> goals on her, but that has happened numerous times in the season. Um, but I think, like any long-distance relationship, it's about connecting every day and then finding understanding of being a part of their day even though you're not there. Well, I was just going
0: to ask about defense because it seems like based on preseason, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're on that back line now. And I keep
2: set myself up for these perfect questions. You know, credit to you, Steph. I've just put myself right in the hole here.
0: <laughs> it's, I don't know, intuition. You're like, you're guiding the interview exactly where it needs to go. Um, right. So how has that been on the back line? I mean, we've seen some, like, Twitter reports, but unfortunately, you know, video's limited in preseason. How does it feel? Yeah. Is it a big adjustment?
2: Um, I don't know. I don't know how much of an adjustment it is. Um, yet again, I've done one practice and one game against U15 or U16 Academy boys. So you want to talk about throwing it to a pack of wolves? I mean, there you go. Um, I'm intrigued to see what he does on Sunday. I mean, we obviously everybody knows we have some holes we got to fill. Um, but again, I I trust Randy. I think he he knows what he wants and he wants to envision. And if I need to go out there and run the line and and get some tackles and get stuck in and be that force on the pitch for him then you know that's what I need to do this is probably my last year 80% sure this is my last year so you know I want to do whatever we need to do to win it in that in Houston and that's and that's the goal
0: um yeah I read a report from Hal Kaiser who was (laughs) watching some of your preseason stuff he said you made life really difficult for those U 16 kids like real tough
2: yeah, I mean, I think playing with boys most of my career in the off season. you know, the guys are quick and fast, so if they get time to turn and face you, whether you're a forward or you're a defender, you don't let them do it. Um, and if you can keep up with another, his number was 11 in the game, and he's off your back shoulder with that kind of pace, you know, you can only hope that when you, you know, you meet Al or A-Rod and, you know, you you strap up those running shoes and you get ready to go, you know, credit to them, so... If you can keep up with the boys, I think you can keep up with a lot of people.
0: Uh also with Randy Waldrum, you've now in NWSL worked with two great coaches, Randy Waldrum and Rory Dames. Has there is there like a significant difference in their coaching style? Is it was it an adjustment going from Chicago to Houston?
2: Um, yeah, I would say so. Um You know, Rory is a Midwest guy and he has a, a approach. I think he reads his players and he thinks some can take a little bit more heat, I would call it, um, than others. And, you know, he gets after his players, which is not a bad thing. You hope it's because of respect at the end of the day. Um, Randy's not that up in your face, yell at you. If he has an issue, he'll kind of pull you aside and talk to you about it. And if you have, if you ask him something, he'll have a very open and candid conversation with you. But I would say that their coaching styles are quite different, yes.
0: Yeah, I saw that in Philly. I was at the NSCAA conference, and I was at a panel where Rory Dames was speaking. And he – just openly right there on the stage said um, he doesn't think a lot of national team players are fully buying into the league because it makes it, it increases competition for their spots on the national team. He just came out and said it.
2: I mean, do you have any thoughts on that or Uh, Rory tends to do that again, you know, credit to him. He is honest with you and that, and it is his his opinion. Um, And, you know, with the national team girls, I think that they are focused on the world cup, um, you know, I think they're there for a reason. And, you know, jill has seen them and has that group of girls in. Um, do I think that a team could compete with them in the league of a different group of girls? Of course. If I wasn't playing and thinking that you could compete and go at them, that I'm not doing my job. Um, but again, they're in for a reason. They can do things that are incredible and extraordinary. I mean, I think Lauren Janey is one of the best footballers in the world. Um, yeah, no doubt. She's incredible and she's a great human being. And same for Becky Saubering. You know, that that kid is someone I've played with for on and off for five or six years. She works hard, she does everything right, and she deserves it. So depending on who you are, and then others, you want to get on the field and go, let's go 1v1 and see who wins. (laughs) (laughs) That's why, (laughs) that's what we're supposed to think, you know?
0: Yeah. With NWSL, uh, you've been part of this league and WPS, and we're coming up on year three which has kind of been the crucible for women's soccer leagues in this country. What's the feeling amongst players now? Like, I, we, when we talked to Nikki Marshall and Nikki Washington, they were like, I mean, obviously it's probably more optimistic at this point than it was right. last time around, because it doesn't feel like teams are folding. But just from a player point of view, I mean, how does it, how does it feel, the future of the league?
2: Um, I think with U.S. soccer backing us, like really backing us, I'm talking about paying a paycheck, actually and Canada soccer doing, and the Mexican Federation, um, I think it's it's promising. You know, I We've had to take the non-national team players. We've had to take a huge pay cut. Um, I mean, this is the least I think I've ever been paid in three years, but yet here I am because of the importance of, you know, you have to do it the right way. I think this is the right way. I think this is the final grassroots start. And you look at NFL, you look at NBA when they started, they're playing in high school gyms. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think we'll ever have that platform. Um, but if we want the kids, our kids to be able to play, then this is what we have to do. And, and I honestly wholeheartedly believe that. I'm hoping U.S. soccer and teams like Houston and Philadelphia and Real Salt Lake and Colorado start to see the success here. I mean, we sell out three games with our 7,000 capacity and we're breaking almost even. Awesome. Can we rally our community to do that? I sure hope so. And I hope Houston is a great city for that. But we have the men's stadium, we have these pooling tools. So I think Houston in general is under the microscope because they want to see how they do. But, I mean, if those are your numbers of where you're pulling from, then we will bite the bullet so kids in five, 10 years can actually get paid a wage where they're not worried about stuff in the offseason.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely a, a huge uh, factor is is looking at the perspective, um, and that's something Steph and I talk a lot about. Is you know this is growing and it is something that's that's gaining um, traction, and we're not necessarily seeing it by year three, but right. um, we kind of hope to that something is stable enough to survive the World Cup and survive the Olympics. And kind of the draw that those major sporting events are going to have, and it's it's just really interesting to us that you know 2011 versus 2015, it just feels so much different. And and you talked a little bit about about your salary. Um, I'm kind of wondering how you see this league actually becoming a little bit more stable, um, and what those baby steps are because I'm sure you've thought about it. And you know you mentioned this might be your last year. Is there anything the league could do in year four? that would kind of uh,
2: turn that 20% into a higher percentage? mean um, that's a very good question. I think, again, it would be organizational-based. For example, like Portland, they get living, and they're all in the same place, same as Buffalo, which is huge for them because they don't have to worry about this. For us, for example, this year we got put into apartments. You could choose, you get a stipend. But anytime you're taking money out of your paycheck to pay for rent, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be 29 in a week. And, you know, the good news is that any job I do after this, I will get paid more. <laughs> so that's the horizon. Um, the bad news is it's like this year I made sure I came into the season with money in the bank because I knew that when you come here in March, you got to pay for housing, you got to pay for that. And then you don't get paid till the first of April. So even like doing a small thing, affording a check a month early. So girls have an income more you're in preseason compared to not getting paid till April would be a huge difference. And that's so small for some, but that would be massive for us. Um, and again, I think it's just about biting the bullet and and knowing that each year it does get better. The salaries do get better. The league is starting to understand this better. A new commissioner, you know, they're doing the things to help us. And I think the teams are learning as well. So They've been in it. They've lost lots of money, and yet they're still here. So we're all fighting for the same thing. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, Nikki Marshall, I think said something <laughs> similar where it it felt like the the owners were um they were buying in more than they did in WPS. They they were more committed. They were more deeply committed. When we're when we're talking about like expansion,
1: when we're talking about like the vetting of of owners. MLS teams have kind of risen to the top as, you know, these are going to be the prime examples of of ownership groups. But do you get a sense that NWSL is is kind of taking its time in expansion and that there is really uh, this demand um, from an ownership standpoint? Because we kind of saw in WPS the mistakes that can be made when you don't vet owners um, and, and somebody just wants to own people. Um, and that's the huge mistake that that is. So,
2: uh,
1: just kind of want to get your sense of like, is NWSL being a
2: little bit better in that regard as well? I think so. I think, I mean, we're nine teams now. What was WPS eight? At its max, Um, I think
0: it was eight. And then when it ended, it was six going down to five.
2: So I think, I mean, again, you, you want to talk about number crunching. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but I've been in the league a long enough time that. You know, in the first WUSA they were losing eight to ten million dollars. They had playing NFL stadiums, they had the the posters downtown New York. You know, you just couldn't you couldn't keep up. At WPS you're still losing, you know, I think some of our owners said three to five million dollars. I mean I could be wrong, but I think that was a chunk. Sounds about that's right. a hard amount of money to lose continually annually, you know. Now I think the way that the system has worked is you're losing you know, max, maybe a mil, maybe a little bit under. And yes, that's still a significant amount of money, but it's okay. If we make, again, three games, sell out 7K, like, okay, we can we can have a league and we have this backing of the dynamo. Like a lot of people in Houston just don't know who we are yet. So that's why we're doing all the little calls and going out to hand grocery stores and, you know, like the little things that we, I think, have lacked in the past. Um, so, yes, I think they're being a little bit more careful, but I think it's, it's a business people, that's a lot more understanding. Okay, you might be biting here, but once you lay the foundation, the community, okay, it will grow. You can fill a $7,000 stadium or a 7,000 people stadium is a lot more feasible or understandable than Toyota Park Mm -hmm. or the upper bowl of Daimo. You know, like we're just selling the lower bowl. Um, So I think for that, there is some, and what soccer is the top growing sport for women in the country or something crazy like that. Um, there's just a disconnect somewhere. There's we're not hitting the right yeah area.
1: Well, at at some point, you know, you guys are are doing a lot in Houston and a lot to to kind of spread the the Dash name. You know, it's only second year. I guess what was it like to to be part of a, a brand new team? You were with Chicago for for a number of years, both with yeah. WPS and with NWSL. So you kind of probably grew up with that organization a little bit or at least became familiar and right. and it's a smaller organization what was it like to transition over to to the dash
2: who has the backing of an mls team um i think chicago we always wanted it, it just didn't work out you know at wps we got to play at toyota park that's probably still one of the nicest stadiums year round minus psgs i played No, and hopefully with that ownership changing they can have that but you know credit to Arnhem and that organization is they're still in it and they're still fighting um so that's great for them and but for us I mean you can't just compete you it's like Portland you know we don't have the numbers Portland come in but to walk into that stadium of BBVA and you're in the locker room where like Kaká was the night before or you know it's just you walk out to this incredible pitch that they put so much time in your locker room's there it's just it's something that you're so grateful for. You know, like, just to have that little facility or have a locker room in that building, and I get to go to BBVA every day, and we know the security guards. You know, it's it's cool. It's You can't explain that feeling of walking down that tunnel when so many great players, men and women, have come down and walking onto that pitch, whether it's 3,000 or 7 or 10, hopefully, for, you know, the home opener. Not
0: to change topics too abruptly, but when we were talking to Nikki Washington especially, we talked a lot about players' union. <laughs> um because you know the the league's getting started so it's the employees kind of have to take a hit which sucks for them but um would you want to see a players union started soon or you know do you think that's in the works already like the the wheels already started turning
2: um i don't know how much i can speak i think i probably already got myself in trouble in this conversation um (laughs) but there is there is uh talks of that there is a representative on each team that is trying to get that started um And it's not for the big stuff. It's just kind of to have one voice um, and to kind of fight for the little things. Um, And so that everyone, whether you're an eight-year veteran or a rook coming in, just to understand the way things work. Um, So, yes, I think a player union needs to be formed. I think everybody's voice needs to be heard, and hopefully we can um, get that together in this year or next. Who knows? But the NWSL has actually been quite uh, great with that stuff, so – we'll see what
0: happens that's really awesome yeah i know washington is really passionate about that especially protecting people like you know making sure players don't get bounced around too much or um she suggested that uh before you can get bounced to a new team you have to be paid a certain amount of your contract i think gab
1: yeah she she had the uh idea or or at least told us about the idea that you can't just trade your lowest play or lowest paid players um that players are only available for trade once they make a certain amount because of living expenses and um, apartment rents and all these other things that players probably are losing when being transitioned. So all this stuff is kind of new to us. We we don't get to see behind the scenes. Um, so from our perspective, you know, we don't know what what players have to pay out of pocket and what the club is covering and. By no means are we asking you to, to, to divulge all of that information, but it's, it's just interesting when we learn these, these tiny little things because I'm an employee and I get expenses paid when I have to move from location to location, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of interesting to, to hear how athletes, professional athletes, are being you know, compensated.
2: I mean, I think it's also like that's, again, a big difference from WPS to NWSL. You know, You look at the overall budget and where can you cut costs Um, and unfortunately some areas have had to be cut, which really hinder us and others, they're better. So again, I think each year, again, that's what we're fighting for is, okay, if we have to come in and pay a grand in rent in March, then one, tell us exactly what we're going to be getting paid it like in December, tell us what we're going to have to owe, tell us what we're going to have to pay. Um, so when you come in, it's not like I'm giving my life savings (laughs) to pay for, to be a pro athlete. And then you're holding on by. You know, it's just get negative, 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 negative until you hit your check in April. And then, you know, like, that that's not, I'm 28. I mean, I want to save for family now. You know, there's some certain areas that we have to save more for. You know, it's not rocket scientists here, you know. <laughs> so that is the biggest reason why I'm going to walk away from the game is because I've been doing this so long. And I have learned that you're in season and you're saving everything you can. So in the off season, you have some type of a, a buffer and I'm just tired of doing that. Yeah. I want to support my family, and for the first time in my career, that is one of my priorities.
0: Yeah, it completely makes sense. I mean, we see rookies now who leave after one year because they they know it's not sustainable to get paid six, seven thousand for you know
2: half a year. But we, I think I was talking with Nikki Cross because we're like one of the older ones, and you know she's played at Bayard and I played at PSG, and we we're just like, oh to follow our dreams of the U.S., you know, and we joke about it, but we're so, you know, we have to take ownership too because we are so thankful to be a part of it and that we can still do it, even if it's for not what we want in the bank. You know, I I wouldn't change this right now for anything. I can complain, of course, I'm going to say this and that, and yes, I'd like it to be better, but at the end of the day, showing up with that pitch and those girls around me, even if it's Nikki Cross saying, who's going to pay for dinner, rock, paper, scissors, you know, we wouldn't change it for anything.
0: Yeah, that has been the common thread. Everybody um, says, yeah, I had to take a a quote-unquote real job, but I played soccer because I loved it so much. Right. Yeah.
2: That's what I think for the World Cup. Like, I think it's great, and it's going to bring so much attention, but not that they get it easy, but they're getting paid really what they deserve. The U.S. players are really getting paid what they deserve, and that's credit to them. But, man, look at our stories.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: We're not getting necessarily paid what we deserve, but we're out there busting our butts every day. You know, it comes down to player selection. They're not taking away from what they do or anything like that, but man, we're working just as hard and we're doing it for a lot less.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's something that, that is becoming uh, painfully aware in Portland. The Portland fan base, we're, we're all really, like, in tune with the roster and with selections and all that stuff. And just looking at our roster saying, look at how many international players we have that are going to be at the World Cup. We can – we'll have 12, maybe 10 salaried players on the pitch. And the rest of those players are going to be – we, we need those points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm um, kidding. Yeah, but, but something that, like, <laughs> fans are, are doing the math, too, going, who's flipping the bill? Right. How is this fair? How, how is this is this uh, something that is sustainable? So, you know, I just wanted to re- kind of confirm, like, we see it, too. And it's just one of those things, like, okay, what, what can fans do to, you know, bring a friend to the match, buy the merch, yeah. like, continue to support the league? at some point it's like okay guys we just got bite off a bigger bite and be able to pay people like more of a living wage
2: you know I think it was coolest thing about Portland was I think it was last year um and all the national team girls were at camp and we didn't know how many people were going to show up and you, we showed up in that stadium and you guys had 12,000 people I mean I coached U 13 in Vancouver and you know when May we played that you guys and they're all coming down from Vancouver and I'm like, you got to come to Portland more than Seattle because of the incredible fans. And we love that environment. Even if you're saying, Ella, don't miss it or run out of bounds or <laughs> <laughs> anger again, you know, like whatever it is like to show up that and to have that support is so incredible. And whether you're a Portland Thornton fans or you play for Houston dash, like we are so indebted. Cause there's a group of you guys all over the country that we wouldn't be able to do here or do what we job from WPS. If you guys weren't there. That's that's why we're thankful. You know, it makes our job easier. But no matter what we get paid, we don't we don't do it for that. Obviously, you know.
1: Yeah, it's it's something that we realized year one. We were like, everybody is playing the best game of their season in Portland.
2: Yeah, cause it's awesome. Right. <laughs>
1: and, and then we realized it's because it's an awesome environment. It pumps everybody up. And so we we're like, so should we sit? Should we be quiet? Like, what should we do to help have a home field advantage? Because okay home field advantage kind of disappears when everybody who comes to the stadium is like jazz and treats it like a final and right. plays like it's a final and we're just like oh my god we're watching amazing soccer but we want points
2: right no I think it I mean you walk on that I mean I'll say you walk on that field you hear you guys in the locker room but it's like that's the closest to watching the MLS and EPL that we get you know and you we hear you we hear the the comments. And when you guys score a goal, it's like thundering, you know? And so you just hope that you don't score or we score first. Cause that's the only way we're deflating the sales, you know? And if not, you guys start cheering louder. So I don't know. I, I, even if you're you go to Chicago and there's not that, you know, or Jersey and there's not that many fans, you know, it's just how much you get hyped for the game. I still think it's, I don't know. You wouldn't change any of it.
1: Yeah, and and I think the the supporters groups, the the fan groups um, in each of the stadiums are are just growing just the same as the league Gosh. is, you know, getting louder, getting uh, you know drums approved, getting flags approved, and trying to to be a louder voice. So it's definitely something that um, is fun uh, mm-hmm.
0: to be part of. So um, I guess we're going to start wrapping up. I have one question and a follow up. First question. Okay. When is Canada gonna be formally adopting you?
2: Well, you should ask McLeod about that one. <laughs> okay. She's. A, she's a, I actually have gotten. She's gonna kill me for this. I am not allowed to ask any questions for the future. If you guys get what I'm saying, so the uh, the ownership is on that one for that half. But tell you what, being there in the off season and seeing how hard those guys work, uh, they're putting in 15 hour days, three and a half hour lifts. Um, I am U.S. born, but I mean, it is incredible to see the work that those girls put in everyone. Um, I have never seen anything like it in my career. So, uh, you know, kudos to them for that.
0: Yeah. The Canadian program really seems to have kicked up a notch,
2: especially since Herdman came on board. It's been really impressive to see. Yeah. John, John's a good man and he, he gets, he knows exactly what to make that team the best that they are. And, Again, the hours that he puts in and the coaching staff, um, it's its like nothing I've ever seen before, to be honest with you.
0: Okay, follow-up question. It's completely unrelated, so it's not really a follow-up. Okay. But i like to ask everybody this question. It's a zombie apocalypse. Um, yes. I guess we'll go with the Houston Dash for this. So who on the team is going to be first okay. to go, and who on the team is going to lead the rest of you to safety?
2: <laughs> first to go? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Who is... uh, Melissa Henderson would probably be the first to go. Uh, I love that kid, but she would, like, try to make friends with the zombie. Her, Ashley, Nick. Like, they have the hearts of gold. Those kids. Um, Such good human beings. I swear if there was, like, a tarantula getting about to get stepped on, which it should because it's a spider, she would try to save it. Okay. Um, Heart of gold. And then... One that would survive, Brittany Bach. Hmm. She's yeah, been I doing see. boxing, and I tell you what, man, that one can throw a punch. He has a whole other side, Brittany Bach, that people have not seen. Wow. I actually, I was not expecting an answer, but it's it's a really good one. Okay. You should, she's been putting up. She's going to be. Who's that UFC fighter that, like, knocked that girl Ronda out? Ronda Rousey. You, you mark my words. Brittany Bach is doing something after football with... She is one killer in a gym, tell you what. <laughs> wow, you heard it here,
0: folks. Ella Masser predicts that Ronda Rousey will get taken on by Brittany Bach sometime in
2: the future. Oh. Or just boxing. She can't kick. That Rousey girl, I, I, she's, she's something else. But Britt in boxing, man up, Muhammad Ali, All that right. kid's good.
1: Uh, Gab, you had anything else? I've, I've got nothing else. Um, this
2: has been a great conversation. I feel like I've talked a lot, so I apologize for that.
0: No, that's exactly what we called you for. It was awesome. Every second of it was awesome. so that was ella masser who graciously agreed to appear on our show despite not knowing us from eve uh i think she had (laughs) not knowing us from eve (laughs) yeah Uh, who says that
1: my grandma
0: i say lots of things i'm trying (laughs) to swear less so i say lots i like applesauce that's a good swear (laughs) fucking applesauce
1: that's a good swear
0: I like uh, cheese and crackers. That's a good swear. <laughs> That's a good swear. Golly gee willikers. I like, um, Oh My Giddy Aunt.
1: My Giddy Aunt. Wow, Sybil. Mm. I say fudge a lot of work.
0: I, I do say, uh, Son of a Biscuit a lot of times.
1: Yeah, I don't say biscuit all that much. I don't say bitch all that much though either,
0: so. Neither do I, unless I'm singing along with the song, you know.
1: I'm a bitch, I'm a mother,
0: I'm a child, I'm a mother. <laughs> Not a mother yet. That
1: one?
2: Yeah. That one? That song.
0: I thought Ella brought up a good point. I just never thought about it before with the, um, her point about maybe getting a payment a month in advance before the season starts instead of waiting for April 1st for that payment to hit. Because, yeah, when you think about it, they're all in preseason now. Who's paying for that? Well, my thing is,
1: is like... We know nothing about any of the HR side of NWSL. Like, we barely know that the that the minimum wage for an NWSL player is $6,000. Yeah. Um, you know, Jamie Goldberg said that players are signing 30-day contracts, 60-day contracts, 90-day contracts. Who knows what that dollar amount is? Like, are you really signing a 30-day contract for, like, $1,000? Who... Who knows? We don't know. And every time we do one of these interviews, we just learn a little bit more. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Things that we never thought about was players having to pay out of pocket for that first month.
0: I I can't wait for the day when the league is transparent, or at least more transparent than it is now. Like right now it is opaque. Have you
1: seen the m l s like there's nearly zero transparency in that like they they do publish n w or uh m l s does publish uh fucking salaries
0: I know in some respects we can look at m l s for best best practices, but on the other side of that we can also look at them for exactly what not to do
1: well yeah, but m l s is funding n w s l teams that are actually making money so shh.
0: Don't upset our MLS overlords. (laughs) Don't don't upset Big Brother, alright? Speaking of things that NWSL can't survive without... Wow, really?
1: That's your transition?
0: Yeah. Although I don't necessarily think that that's true, but Abby Wambach is sitting out this season. She's probably not going to play in NWSL ever again.
1: Ever again. We will never see Abby Wambach in an NWSL
0: kit ever again. Unless she's just, you know, wearing it for the heck of it. if you
1: saw a Western New York Flash match last year, you saw Abby's last game.
0: Yeah, think about that. So Abby's not playing in NWSL. Ever again. On the one hand, I think what has everybody so up in arms about it is the way she went about it. Not necessarily that she is doing it. Does that seem fair?
1: So, yeah, I completely agree. Like, I think... I think it's less the point that it's Abby Baumbach and more the point that somebody just um, less than a month before the season's supposed to start is like Peace, fuck the shit, I don't need it, I'm out of here. Who's to say other players aren't gonna follow in 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 that trend?
0: I think if they do, it's not as dire as rumors would have it because i mean Allie krieger instantly was like no i'm coming back to the spirit i fucking love the spirit i don't think rampone will go because you know she's real she seems happy at sky blue and it's close to her family so it's not like she has a wife waiting for her in portland and a house and everything and you know her whole family's across the country i think that's a different situation lauren holiday i could maybe see even though her club situation seems good I don't know, necessarily know that she's happiest with her national team situation. It just, you know, so I could see a retirement coming from her. Although, with Holiday, I could also see national retirement, but continuing club play.
1: Yeah, I mean, what if she continues club play until the national team gets a coach she likes, like uh, fucking Leanne Sanderson? What if Lauren Holiday just, like, said, fuck it, I'm not going to play national team just until she got a coach she liked? Like Leanne Sanderson.
0: The thing is, Lauren's already twenty-seven, so I don't know if she can afford to to wait a couple years and like have a baby and start a family and then come back. Maybe if she if it happened while she was about twenty-nine or thirty, because she could still if make anybody, it through one more cycle. If anybody
1: on this squad could afford to do that, it's Lauren Fucking Holiday or Becky Sauerbrunn.
0: Yeah, Leanne is a bit younger than Lauren, and her waiting was. It kind of sucked that it was through some of her prime playing years, but she's still young enough. I think she's like 26. So her weight came at a different time. I guess Lauren Holiday could do it if she could still do it in her early 30s, and I could see her doing it. Then yeah, it might be worth it to her to wait out a couple years until a new coach comes around.
1: So what I find amazing about this whole Abby Wambach situation is the fact that this has generated the conversation before the World Cup of being like, who else, A, doesn't care about the NWSL, um, which that could be a relatively long list, and B, who, who after this World Cup is out? And that was, that was just a speculative article by uh, Charles Boehm that wasn't anything where he was directly quoting anybody or anything like that. So it's, it's one of those things where it's just like it kind of causes or, or it kind of prompts the, the local media who's following each one of these teams and each one of these like players to be like, hey, so uh, this guy at the national level decided to, say, call you out as potentially retiring. And you know, Ali Krieger was the first one to, to essentially be like, No, I'm gonna play NWSL before and after the World Cup. It's 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 no big deal. I'm I'm all in. I would love to hear the other players mention that article say that or for the reporters to go after them and be like, Hey, so what's your plan?
0: Yo Well even more than that, I I wanna know what people really think about this decision from Abby. I mean, we're never gonna find out people's real opinion. But,
1: I mean, we might. Uh, we found well, out Pino's, like, relatively real opinion about Hope Solo after, like, a month after Hope Solo's thing happened.
0: Okay, yeah. It was a New York Times article, it looks like, back in February, talking about Hope and the team in general. What did Pino yeah. say?
1: It, it was it was one of these things where Megan Rapinoe was the most critical that I've ever seen any of the women's national team players being. And she basically says, you know, she's thought about the possibility that Hope's not going to play with her. Um, and she said, you know, if she's not being professional, you have to look at that. And you hope that the Federation's making a decision. Um it's it's one of those things where, like, Mega Marpino is going on the record and saying, this might be self-inflicted, this might not, but at the end of the day... You kind of have to look at what Hope can do to improve, what she's doing to make it difficult for herself. Um, it's 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 a really interesting article back in February that kind of adds some, some light to the situation. And what Hope is saying now, like, it's her first time talking to a therapist. It's her first time, you know, kind of looking at herself and looking at what she can do and not necessarily blaming others. Um, that makes it really
0: interesting. Well, my question, though, then, is, like, Hope's problems are not necessarily analogous to Abby's, like, Abby's situation is definitely probably not going to cause her to be this reflective and to kind of analyze her motivations and her problems because I don't, I don't think she sees that there is a problem. Like, it's not causing turmoil in camp. I mean, as far as we know, it's not causing turmoil, but it's not causing such a problem that players have to speak honestly about it or seem like a fool, you know? If Pino or anybody else on that team had spoken on this Hope soul situation and said, like, it's totally fine, she's getting better, we wish her well, we would have all known that was Pablum, right? That was, like, media-trained pap. But with Abby, it's not like, you know, she got a DUI or court troubles or whatever. It's it's a situation that's best for her, it's best for the team, et cetera. Et cetera. It's it's a
1: really interesting situation because it's, it's not a situation where she's saying, I can't do it. She's saying, I want to focus on this one singular thing. And she's putting the World Cup above club, which is not something that in the U.S. we're used to. Um, we're not used to players saying, you know, I'm going to opt out of this thing and I'm not going to play for my club and I'm only going to. What what baffles me is she doesn't even have to try out for the World Cup squad. Like the World Cup squad is basically picked. Like the players that we saw in Algarve are gonna be the players that are playing in Canada this summer. Unless somebody gets hurt or and we have to call in a sub. And Abby knows that and she knows her position within US soccer and she's exploiting that. In my in my humble opinion, Abby is exploiting the fact that she is Abby fucking Wombok and can do this. I mean, do you do you honestly think that, like, a Christian Press could be like, oh, Chicago Red Stars, you guys play on a really crappy turf surface, and I don't really want to train and play on that for, like, four games, so I'm just going to go ahead and opt out to play preseason and, you know, before the World Cup with you guys. Like, do you really think a Christian Press could do that?
0: No, we know that nobody but Abby and maybe Christy Rampone – to get away with this, but yeah, I I know that's part of what's chapping people's asses so much is this like assumption that she's gonna be on the World Cup squad so she can take off from her club and prepare because she's gonna she knows she's gonna be on the squad. On the other hand, if she acted like I want to train to be my best so I can try to make this World Cup squad, if she'd phrased it that way, would that have gone better, or would we have all known? That's just false humility. We all know she's going to be on the squad. She should just be open about what she's doing. I, I don't think there's a win
1: in this situation. Yeah, I think like, I think so. I, I, I don't think that there's a way she can propose this and be like, so I'm not going to do the same thing everybody else is doing. I'm going to do it my own way, and everybody would be okay with
0: it. I mean, definitely part of it is she's making it such that World Cup, national team obligations, far override club obligation. And on the one hand, you can see that argument, right? I'm not saying I totally agree with it, but you can see that argument where, like, it's World Cup. It's, you know, your obligation to country to try and win a World Cup outweighs any other obligation you have to any other team. And that if the United States wins a World Cup, the resulting publicity and the bump could be really good, like, really, really, really good for the league. Like, if Abby trains and peaks during the World Cup and manages to score even just one crucial goal. Just one. Not even just two to four. enough to, like, make that
1: highlight
0: if she, if she only scores that quarterfinal against Brazil goal, that level of crucial.
1: I mean, yeah, but that that's like, fucking sh- that shit's never gonna ever, ever happen
0: again. Well, maybe? Maybe not. Uh, okay maybe 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 okay then then say that maybe it does happen like there's a you know point zero zero one chance that that shit happens again is that remote chance of her being that crucial really fairly then balanced against her against any ostensible commitment to club or the league
1: so my issue is less with abby Wambach. like i could care less that's abby it could be any player who's like, you know, it's not worth it to me to be part of this club that has me away from my family and I have to travel a lot and, you know, I'm not really going to play because I don't want to get injured, whatever. Like, it, I, I don't really care that it's Abby at the end of the day. The thing that I care about is the fact that U.S. soccer has essentially said Amber Brooks, Erica Timrak, Sarah Hagan uh yale averbush all of you players who were on the cusp of the national team player pool who were playing in europe making making a decent living if you want a shot and making the national team you have to come back and play at this league like the thing that pisses me off the most about this abby wambach deal is that suddenly u.s soccer has said NWSL.
0: I mean, they've always been like, eh, NWSL, but it's just so blatant now.
1: Could you imagine being Amber Brooks and being like, okay, I gave up Germany to come home and play in this league because I was told if you want to go to the Olympics, you got to play in this league. And suddenly Abby Wambach is like, peace out. I'm not playing in this league because I'm going to the World Cup.
0: Yeah, I bet you right now Lindsay Horan is thinking... You know, it's all coming up, Lindsay. Good job, kid.
1: Yeah, yeah. She made this kid that never went to college. This kid that chose Paris instead of UNC is going,
0: yeah, I knew I wasn't making that squad. College will always be there, and right now she's apparently making a decent bit of cash and getting some really high-level soccer and Europe. Well, it's one of those things, like what Ella just told us, you know, she's making
1: the least amount of money she's made in three years. I mean, she didn't tell us outright, but it sounds like she's kind of scraping by to, to hopefully set up infrastructure, set up some sort of system for kids 15 years down the road to be able to make money.
0: That's true of most non-national teamers. I'll tell you this, I was at a breakers event, and after, it was after the season, and I heard a player asking for a waitressing job. That's because that's what they had to do during the off season. because they're not going to get, you know, a full time year round job because they're going to have to go to their boss in four or five months and go, hey, boss, I've got preseason. I'm expected to be at practice, you know, almost every day of the week. I can't do full time anymore.
1: Yeah, unless you're a national teamer that earns a fucking a real logistic, like fucking salary, you have to work part-time you have to have side jobs and that shit is fucking painful try to fit into your schedule um it's humbling to be like look i'm a pro athlete but i'm also a bartender
0: well, okay okay devil's avocado liz lemon this league is partially marketed on the star power of its national teamers if the national team doesn't do well at the world cup does that significantly diminish the the marketing power of the league does it significantly impact its uh, ticket sales? If if
1: this team peters out like before
0: the semis, if this team doesn't
1: live up to the hype, yeah, I I completely think so. Like it's it's not like the the United States is in a situation where we're gonna we're gonna get beat at something like women's soccer and go holy fuck, we need to double down
0: on this program. I think if we go out. Uh, at any time before semis then this team's gonna face a lot of criticism and maybe even face a little bit of obscurity you know and then they're gonna have to make it up the olympics but the olympics are obviously overshadowed by the seven million other sports
1: yeah and it's one of those things where it's like now we have a shit ton of excuses you know why the hell was abby wambach even at the world cup could be one excuse <laughs> hope solo was a huge distraction could be another excuse so then christy rampone our 40 year old captain is another excuse like all the things that are red flags to us could be excuses if we lose prematurely the lack of youth depth and all this different crap can
0: be all excuses so following this to the next logical step then if national team success is so critical to the image of women's soccer in this country then isn't it actually reasonable to try to provide best possible training environment and opportunity to national pool players yes by excusing them from nwsl duty no
1: no uh rachel rachel van Hollebeck had a great interview with uh the oregonian um, like the day of, or maybe the day after the Abby Wambach uh, news broke that she was going to be taking season off, where she was just like, "Look, practice matters. Games matter. Like being with your club team matters because it keeps you game ready." My worst case scenario, because you know, within the context of Abby taking season off she's like look i'm a newlywed i'm i my i have a house in portland my wife is in portland all this crap like number one i think abby took time off because she couldn't figure out a way to get traded to portland to be able to not take time off and still live her dream of being with her wife and at her house and with her dogs and all that jazz a trade didn't go through that's my number one reason why abby took time off but despite all that her saying that she she wants to do all of these things like she's gonna have to train she's gonna have to be playing somewhere and that somewhere is gonna be with thorns God, I am loathing the day that like un- reporters at practice is like, oh, Abby Wambach is running corner kick drills where she can be taking headers. She's running set piece drills where she can be scoring goals. I'm just like, that is not doing the thorns any good.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think that's probably the best argument against all this. Well, it's, you know, necessary for our national team success. So then, I think it follows naturally to two different points. The first one being, if Abby needs all this special consideration, or, like, if she needs all these special circumstances in order to be at peak readiness for the World Cup, is she still really um, fit enough to compete at the level we're talking about? And then the second point being, she's doing all this because I think she said straight up in her interview... I'm kind of at a point in my life where I shouldn't have to take one for the team. And that. She rubbed,
1: absolutely said that.
0: That rubbed me the wrong way so badly. Like, I get that you're older and that you've been separated from your wife for a while, and like. But don't you think that every other player in this league also has to put up with the same bullshit? My biggest hang up with this whole
1: Abby Wambach thing is that she's she, to Sports Illustrated, was essentially like. I need to take the season off because my position, my my role on team is physically demanding, blah, 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 blah. She twisted it and was like, and I'm a newlywed. I, I, I want to be in Portland with my wife. My family's really important to me. Your priorities change when you get married. And almost in the same
0: breath, she's like,
1: but, you know, I also wouldn't mind playing in Europe.
0: Yeah, that part puzzled me too. I'm like so are you saying you just need a couple months with your wife and then you'll be fine to jet off again? Like what's uh, Yeah. What's the deal? I could see Abby maybe ending up in Russia for a year, just one of those teams that brings in a lot of internationals to try to make Champions League and then they play yeah. for like not even a whole season and then the moment they're knocked out they kinda go back home.
1: Yeah. The one of those teams that like doesn't ever play pay their players ever like the Danny
0: Hubbard situation. The Y'all Everbush situation where they gave her like yeah. an envelope of cash and then packed her off to the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Any way you try to slice it, the situation has really rubbed me the wrong way. It's... It,
1: it just hasn't been handled well at all. It's almost like, A, she doesn't have publicist. And B, she's talking out of her ass. She's just like, you know what? I just don't want to be in the NWSL. And I feel like that's a tone that national team players have in general.
0: Hmm. Uh, not all national team players. I feel like some have bought in more than others. And it may depend on how much they enjoy being at their respective clubs. Some of them have clearly well, found great club situations. Sorry. Yeah.
1: I mean, I mean. maybe I'm, maybe I'm jaded because I'm in Portland and we have certain national team players here who don't even want to acknowledge the team that they're playing for. But that's not for me to say. Alright dude, it's it's a Friday night. I'm I'm a little drunge.
0: Oh, a little we, drunge.
1: We we li- we lived up to our namesake. It's
0: Friday night. Do you feel alright? Party
1: is on the west side.
0: So are you gonna reach for your forty I, and I, turn it up?
1: Designated driver, take the keys to my truck?
0: Good. It sounds like you don't need to be driving anywhere. Yeah no <laughs> Okay. Don't get used to this uh, player interview thing. We just happen to get lucky with some gracious people at the right time. We we just happen to know people
1: who know people.
0: Thanks again for listening. Um, We hope you enjoy these player interviews, but next week we will be back to drunkenly ranting on our own.
1: All by ourselves. We
0: don't want to be.
1: All I would
0: love being by myself if it meant you left.
1: Any more
0: bum, bum, bum.